0: What the hell's the name of this thing? The
1: Ballsy Podcast,
0: hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant.
1: This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done.
0: Kevin Sherrington. Do we want to compare bylines? How many? Harry Horn. We're supposed to keep this thing moving,
1: be fresh. Get ready for the most listened-to sports podcast in Dallas Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sarrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking
0: about Mavericks.
1: And I'm Barry Horn.
0: To hear our other exciting editions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes.
1: You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relaxed with an X, and enjoy another edition of the college Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Colleges, Mavericks, doesn't really matter.
0: No, whatever you want. I, I don't like that. They, they dropped that in, that, that Mavericks but, thing on there. That was really good.
1: Mark Falwell is here, so he can talk either one. Yes, he can. We to. Wanted- Mark, how are you doing? He's a- actually here. He's in Denver. Yeah.
2: Yes, I'm looking out. On I didn't even bother yet to look this morning. It's supposed to warm up into the 40s here today, but I know that um, on Saturday it was minus 15 here. Oh, my god! When we arrived here last night, which was about um, – Eight o'clock Mountain Time. It was nine above, which is not bad. <laughs> I was the under the impression that the temperature this morning was going to be one, but I had not looked to see what the official low temperature.
1: One. Was in Denver. But I like yeah, that. But
2: the sun is out and it's going to be in the forties here today. it looks—I mean—I don't see anybody outside that looks like they're miserable that are walking around outside my hotel. So I think—I think uh, it's—it's think it's turning out to be a relatively decent day here.
1: Uh, did you have some incident with the New England Patriots last night, Mark?
2: Well, I didn't personally, but yes, our plane was delayed for probably 20 minutes on the tarmac, I would say, waiting for the the Patriots plane was where we were trying to go to. And because of snowfall on the tarmac, they had to work to clear a spot for us to be able to get to where we needed to go
0: and maneuver around the Patriots
1: plane. Oh, I was hoping there was something involving a deflated tire or something like that. Ah,
0: ha, ha, ha. That is so clever. That is so clever. Listen, uh, Mark, I want to ask you, these are the things that are most intriguing to me watching these Mavericks games is the development of these young guys and how they – the ups and downs with them. And obviously it's a long season and this stuff is going to go on. But I am really intrigued by Dorian Finney-Smith. And how he is playing out. Yes. I want you, you know, I know he came in with a, you know, he was a defensive guy, but he's got a little something else going on with him too. But I want to ask you what your thoughts were about him.
2: Well, I agree. Number one, by the way, Kevin, that yes, this season a lot is about development, and what other things can you find that will be something you can surround with what presumably is going to be a good player that you'll be able to take in next summer's draft. So that is one of the really intriguing things about the season. And when it comes to Finney Smith, you know, I think it's a pretty amazing story. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I think there was a time in training camp where if you had asked me how I felt about how the roster battle was shaping up for the last two spots, remember the Mavs brought seven guys in to compete for the last two spots. They were on just you know partially guaranteed contracts. And Finney Smith's numbers in the preseason – I mean, the defense was there, but it's hard to be a 3-and-D guy when you don't make any shots. Right. And there was a point in the preseason where his shooting percentage was down in the teens, and that went along with what his shooting percentage was in summer league. And to be honest with you, I mean, I felt like, well, if they keep him fine, but, but I think I would be scouring the waiver wire to see who else around other teams' training camps got cut and be really open to the idea of maybe um, – of looking elsewhere when you see what other things there are available but to his credit look it all it all started on the on the game against milwaukee the first win of the year for the Mavs, and i think that day he wasn't even the first guy that rick brought off the bench to back up at small forward but he brought him in and after a couple of other players off the bench like brisino had missed some defensive assignments and they were just looking for anything they could find to give him a spark and he gave him a spark that day, and it led to a, a starting appearance against the Lakers, and it led to playing more because there were so many injuries. And now here we sit where the guy over the last 10 games is averaging around 10 points a game, and uh, his shooting percentages are over 50% for the floor and up over 45% from the three-point line over the last 10 games. So it's really cool. Uh, I think that in Vinny in Smith's case, Uh, you know, we're talking about a four-year, actually five years, because he had to set out a year as a transfer from Virginia Tech to Florida. So I don't know if that's why he wasn't drafted, or maybe he just didn't work out well. Maybe scouts thought, okay, well, he's going to have trouble extending from the college three-point line to the NBA three-point line. We don't know if he's got the range to do that. I'm not exactly sure what it was about him that made him go completely undrafted. But the Mavs love him because he's, he's aware of, of the opportunity that he has and he works really hard on it and he's a very very good defender in terms of being able to defend multiple positions and now his offense slowly but surely is coming around and he's not a non-factor on that end of the floor so there's a lot to be excited about
1: you
0: know frankly he he looks to me like a guy the spurs would have found you know th- this is what the this is what the sure. spurs do they, they go out and find guys who can play defense and are, and are very team-oriented and, and yeah. they kind of just uh, and and to, you know we, we and I I have kind of vacillated a little bit over the years with the Mavs. I understood you know several years ago with uh, hey why why uh, why risk what's going to of course he didn't he didn't even get drafted but why worry about the draft you know this is you're, you're babysitting these guys. And of course, he's a perfect example of a guy who's not a one and done. You know, he is a guy who played, uh, you know, his entire college career. And I I think that does make a difference uh, when these guys come into the league and and being better prepared. Uh, So it doesn't take long to make up for something like that. If you could get enough, if you can get Justin Anderson, if you can get, you know, uh, Dwight Powell, if you can get Dorian Finney Smith. To to be play significant roles around the guys you're going to bring in, besides uh, Harrison Barnes and Wesley Matthews and whoever the lottery pick is going to be, uh, right. then and then whatever free agent you attract after that, well now you to me you've marshaled you've got your money in the right places then and uh, and the, and the guys who are playing the ancillary roles are guys who are not making as much money uh, and and I just think that this yeah. is this is all uh, you know I know Mark would like to think this is maybe they can do a one and done as far as as rebuilding the team i don't think it'll take longer right. than that but it won't listen to, to me the way i look at it is if, the, if everything keeps going the way it's going now if all these guys continue to develop as they are and and that's not a, certainly not a given but it seems to me that you could be a fringe playoff team next year. If you add the right guys, uh, a lottery pick and, and, a, and a free agent uh, uh, or two, uh, this team could be right back in the, where they were before and with a much younger team with a much better promise.
2: There's a lot of dominoes that have to fall to get to that place. Yes. So, you know, I think, I think the best thing for the Mavs right now is just sort of to keep their their, their eyes on what's immediately in front of them and that is spends as much time as makes sense giving these players like Finney Smith and Powell and Anderson and Seth Curry, for that matter, yeah. an opportunity to develop this year. I mean, Seth is another developmental guy, and I know some people will say, well, he's 26 years old. Well, you know, he hasn't played a lot in the NBA, I mean, I think he's barely over 70 games played in the NBA. And I think that there are just some guys who it it takes being in a lot of different situations to figure it out. It takes them a while to get there and And I think that that the evidence is overwhelming that there is still the opportunity to develop as a player in your late twenties and and honestly, there are players that are even their games still growing in some ways obviously there's there's physical limitations and physical things that stop once you're thirty plus and that go the other way, but there's still an opportunity for you to understand the game better and still be a a player who who uh whose success grows even when you're over that thirty year threshold if you will so I, mean, I think there's a lot of great development opportunities for the Mavs for the rest of the year and as far as next year i mean that's that's just that's light years away i think is what rick would tell you uh, <laughs> when it comes to the nba that's and and i think well. the just the, the, the best thing to to do for them this year is just to keep doing what they're doing and they're going to get healthy and and you know i think Borea's is uh there's some speculation that maybe as early as tonight he could play he's upgraded on the injury report, so get some guys back and and get some of these players that have been playing with a lot of other young players on the floor, maybe get them spending some time on the floor with veterans, which I think will help them, and, and keep on maximizing the best you can what this year has become.
0: What do you think is going to happen with Dirk? I know he, he said to a German magazine or newspaper that, uh, that well, if this keeps up uh, that, uh, with his uh, Achilles problems, uh, that, that maybe this would be the last year. What do you have a feel for that? Do you do you feel like that uh, that might be the case with him, or, or what do you what do you think?
2: Well, my belief is that he plans on playing next year. Uh, I think that that it probably isn't a whole lot different than what he said in years past, and that you know he's going to have an open mind in terms of evaluation each off season. And it's always possible, although nothing's happened, so I guess we just haven't really seen that come into play. I mean, he's. He's been healthy. He's been playing most every game, the games that he's missed over the last three years have all been just because they've given him rest on back-to-back. So he hasn't dealt with any health issues, and he's still played at a high level. And this is the first time that he's dealt with any sort of health issues. And when he does get back, we'll have to wait and see what level he plays at. So I don't shut the door on the possibility that if things continue to be a really big-time struggle for him for the rest of the year that He would evaluate, and the evaluation would be that you know maybe it's time. But I think he went into this year, and I still think that those quotes indicated to me that his plan is that he absolutely wants to play next year and get to the 20 years with one team. But there are unforeseen circumstances that still exist out there, and I don't, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily concerned that this is it. But I do think that that uh, you know the rest of the year and how he comes back and how he looks and how he feels will. Will tell us what we need to know by the time he needs to make that decision next summer.
1: Hey, Mark. Uh, point of clarification on on this road trip: Do you guys come back before you go to New Orleans, or do you stay on the road the whole time? We come back. Okay, so uh, we we
2: we do what we we typically do, and what I think a lot of NBA teams do, which is if you're going west to east and covering a lot of ground in a couple of time zones, as we will be after the after the game Friday against the Clippers, right. then we'll stay over. And we'll come back early on Saturday morning, get back in town for Christmas Eve, and then the team is due to leave fairly late in the day on Christmas to go down to New Orleans. So so uh so yeah, I, I think were it not were it not a Christmas holiday, Evan, I think that the normal thing would be just to go on to New Orleans right. but because it's the Christmas holiday, then then the team will come back and then a lot of the day, Christmas Eve, and a lot of the day, Christmas Day, here or here being in Dallas with their family.
1: All right, so you've got you've got the Nuggets tonight, Portland on on Wednesday, the Clips on Friday. I believe the Clips are now without Blake Griffin. Right, he's going to miss the next yep. couple of months, and and then he's you come have, home. I
2: don't think, yeah, I don't think it's going to be that long. I think he's supposed to have a little minor knee surgery. Is what's being reported today, but I don't think it's going to keep him out anything more than until the mid to late part of January.
1: Oh, okay. I, I thought I had seen yep. six weeks. I, my bad. Um, and then you've got the the two day break before you go to New Orleans. But this team's in, in a stretch now where they'll play six of seven on the road. Uh, yeah. They have they are one in twelve on the road. Is are things going to get worse for the Mavericks?
2: Because they're playing a lot of road games over the next two
1: weeks. Do you uh, think? Just you know, in general, the... yeah. I mean, with the road struggles and and where they're at, uh, could could we see more of a? Uh, uh, demoralizing type stretch for this club
2: you know what i don't think they're going to get demoralized i mean let's be honest they're one and twelve on the road and they're about to play six of seven on the road so right. that doesn't exactly inspire a lot of confidence that there are going to be good results coming up but the one thing i will say is this uh you know i i and and clearly getting healthy and 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 jj like i said is this potentially as soon as tonight and i don't think we're terribly far away from dirt given some of the signals that to, including the Dallas Morning News' his own Eddie Seth Cole, about uh, a return being in the not too distant future. That's going to help. But I think the thing that, that, that I would look at, you know, when you just talked about whether or not they would be demoralized by what awaits them in terms of a difficult road stretch coming up, I think I've been really impressed this year that there has not been, for the lack of results, a corresponding uh, getting down on themselves and getting demoralized. Uh, they're working hard. I think the young players appreciate the opportunity that they're getting. I think that Barnes is appreciating that, look, he's taking on a, a huge new role with an opportunity to be a number one guy, and that doesn't mean that he that he doesn't want them to win. Obviously, he would like for it to be in terms of winning, but I think he has so much on his plate right now that I think he's just working hard to try to be the best player that he can be and, and hopefully Results will come as the season unfolds, and they get more healthy, and then add more talent. When we talk about next year, so I've been I've been pretty pleased with my personal observation of how upbeat and hardworking everyone within the group, players and coaches and staff, have been, despite the fact that results obviously have been very very difficult to come by.
1: And, and how's the owner handling this?
2: Better than I think a lot of people would believe, because I think he understands that you know sometimes. Uh, a lot of people have been asking him questions about tanking, right? And and you know, Mark hasn't used the word, but I think that Mark has said exactly what this season is, and that is that they they had a, a lot of injuries and a difficult schedule, and sometimes, and he hasn't put it this way, but I think you know, basically, sometimes the decision is made for you, and he wants to keep playing young players. And keep giving them as much chance as they can to play hard. And if those young players play hard and get better, and they start winning games and more games, as, as things have started to trend in much more positive direction since the two and thirteen start, ever since uh, November twenty seventh. I mean, we're talking about a team that's—I uh, think they're five and seven in their last twelve games, or
1: right.
2: or something along those lines. I believe is what it is. Is where the Mavericks at right now. So I think that that he's he understands that that they had to start getting younger. And they put a roster together with the idea of we've got to start transitioning towards the future. Now they got hit hard at the beginning of the season, and so the the idea of being as competitive as they had hoped to be at the start of the season didn't turn out, and it went away pretty quickly. But that doesn't mean that the goals of getting younger and developing younger players have changed. I mean, that still is very much the idea. I think everybody on board from Mark on down uh, everybody from the top on down from mark on down is on board with that
1: concept all right before we let you go and we're going to have somewhat of an abbreviated uh Mavs podcast today because of, of the upcoming christmas break and and since you are on the road and it's early and and you had to deal with bill belichick last night um <laughs> but before we let you go I, so craig sager passed last week and i think everybody who saw craig sager from Uh, from afar over the past few years and the way he handled his battle with leukemia, uh, couldn't help, but be moved. Uh, the things that I saw from Greg Popovich and from Steve Kerr were all, um, really, uh, humbling kind of things to say about somebody. Uh, just, just, just overwhelming. Uh, What is your, what was your experience with Craig and, 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 and how did you see him handle these last few years when he was around the Mavericks?
2: You know, we have not had very many TNT games over the last few years, so he hasn't been around the Mavs much. You know, I was watching it like pretty much everybody else from afar. And obviously when one is confronted with the idea of their own mortality, I mean, that's uh, that's the, the most difficult thing that, that, you know, a human being can be facing. And for him to handle it with courage and the desire to keep on working and to be in the atmosphere where he was so respected and enjoyed himself and was the happiest. I mean, it was incredibly, incredibly admirable. And I think when you see the outpouring of comments, like you mentioned, from very learned, intelligent men who have to put on a tough face because of what they do in terms of being a head coach, that clearly are incredibly smart guys and have an amazing amount of depth to their personality and an incredible amount of warmth to their personality as well and loyalty to people that are around them and in the game and have helped grow this great league and great game of ours. When you see guys like Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr, who have been around Craig, and Steve worked at TNT, so obviously he has an even more unique experience than Pop does. When they say all the things they say, I mean I think that tells you what you need to know. In terms of my own personal experience, I always loved Craig's. You know, demeanor when he was around the Mavericks when we were on TNT a lot more and getting that crew and, and them covering playoff games or covering big-time regular season games that we saw over years past. I mean, the guy had a great passion for basketball, a great passion for life. Uh, you know, he loved the persona and the 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 air that was about him. I mean, he embraced what his career had become in terms of not only being a tremendous reporter, but obviously having a very identifiable thing that went along with him in terms of how he dressed. But, right. you know, that that made for a great show, but there was still the commitment to being the best broadcaster he could be, the respect from players, the great interviews, the story that he could tell, which, as we all know, is a very, very difficult thing for a sideline reporter or a courtside reporter, whatever you want to call it, in any sport. That's a That's a really tough job.
1: It's a thankless job. To, it's a thankless job. Yeah, There's no doubt about it.
2: Yeah. There's no doubt about that. And, and you know, the things, the things that have come out lately, though, when you hear about Craig's journey are the things that I really admire. Uh, you know, the guy started by sending out all these letters, and nobody would answer him back, and he just wanted some advice. And I think he, in he a book, there was a copy of a letter that Bern Lundquist was like the only guy that answered him back out of about 10 or 20 letters that he sent out in the 70s, just looking for advice and critiques and things like that. And he worked his way up. I just I admire because I guess of my own path of you know when you spend a lot of time doing high school football games and standing on the top of press boxes to do a game and not even being in a booth or having to talk into a telephone and not even have a broadcast set up at a high school basketball game because something's wrong with the with the uh, ISD in lines or the Marty unit that you ordered, but you have to figure out a way to get it on the air. Um, you know, you admire people who went. Who, who worked their way up from from the bottom to the top. And you read about his story, and clearly he's a guy that did that, and he worked his way to a tremendous place. But I think it's pretty clear in the way Craig carried himself and the things that he said that he never forgot, that, that it was a long journey to get there. And so that's why he always had a kind word, or if you wanted to pick his brain about basketball or broadcasting, he was always someone that was completely and totally open to doing that.
1: Well said. Well said, Mark. Uh, we appreciate the time this week. Uh, we will be back in touch soon. Um, yes, I have, love that. That's good. Have a good holiday.
2: I will. I will. And uh, you guys do the same. And to all of the Ballsy Podcast listeners, I hope that uh, the holidays are everything that you hope for them to be and, and for 2017 as well as we're about to get into that uh that reflectful time of year when we look back on one thing and embrace the excitement that a new year holds. So
1: all the best to the Balzy Podcast listeners on both of those fronts. Well, Mrs. Sherrington and and Mrs. Grant both thank you very much for that. Yeah,
0: both of them, both the Ballsy Podcast listeners. I don't even think Debbie (laughs) – Debbie doesn't even know I do this, I don't think, (laughs) actually. (laughs)
2: mom says she would download this week, too, so, so we'll have another listener.
0: Absolutely. Great. Great. Super. Great to have you on, as always, Mark. All right, you got it. Take care. We'll take, talk to you soon. You know, one All time. Right, see you guys later. We will. You know, I uh, I saw uh, what one day I, I, last year I got You know, I can't ever remember when anything happened. Uh, but this was a last year. It might have been year before last. I was out at the uh, the AAC for a game. I think it was for a game, and uh, I saw this guy in the, in a tunnel. Uh, that one of the tunnels out there, and he. Um, he had on shorts and and these white socks and he and he had on a, a ball cap, and he looked like a homeless guy. He looked he looked like he was probably a 75, 80 year old homeless guy. And I thought, what in the world is this guy doing here? And then I looked at him again and I realized it was Craig Sager, and he just looked terrible. I mean, he just looked awful. And here he was, out here. Apparently, I guess he was going through some, maybe they were helping him with a little bit of rehab, doing a little bit of something out there. It's possible
1: he had been on his way back from MD Anderson, too.
0: It it could have been, and uh, it could have been lots of things. And I just thought, you know, holy cow, how remarkable that, I'm always so impressed with people when they're going through something like that, that they just keep on going. They don't give up. You know, he, he he could have just gone home. And said, "This is, I'm, I'm a handsome guy, you know, and I made my career on TV, and 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 uh, and I, I cannot go out in public looking like this. And it's just like, you know, I, that that takes a lot of intestinal fortitude to be able to do that kind of thing."
1: Agreed entirely. I, I, for me, people who enjoy their lives, whether it's 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 his work, which clearly his work meant a lot to him, or something, some other passion in their lives, that they don't let encroaching mortality yeah, they don't they don't let it defeat them yeah they, you know? they don't and I, those are the people who are the greatest examples for me of, yeah of, of how I'd like to live my life so absolutely um we'll join the list of of many many people who have uh, given Craig Sager tribute over the last week great loss for the broadcasting profession and, and, and really a great loss for the NBA because he has been identifiable oh perfectly. absolutely so, absolutely um and with that, we will uh, we will wish you guys a, a happy Mavs holiday and and get out of here and 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 we're not going to have a, a ballsy podcast next week. We will not. We uh, we're taking Boxing Day off. Yes, um, we are Boxing. Day. We uh, we celebrate Boxing Day in our family. There you so. go. Um, putting we, on the gloves with Gina we set up a, a ring in the backyard and, and me and stepson Nick we go at it that is so great Till somebody's unconscious oh that is so great <laughs> usually it's me yeah um, but uh, yeah we will not be with you guys next week but we will be back right after the first of the year to uh, talk college football yes we will I think we'll start to focus a little bit on the possibilities of the Hall of Fame uh, and Pudge Rodriguez and clearly we will have uh, Cowboys to talk about there we will so, uh, until then, uh, so long, everybody. Thanks for listening.
0: Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week.
1: And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.